Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My name is Alexi Kadeen. My name is Christine Aliado, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Now they're two of the finest talents currently treading the boards in the West End, in the musical of all musicals. Epic by size and equally matched in story, the infamous Dominion Theatre in London is playing host to the official stage adaptation of The Prince of Egypt, with new original music and of course some signature classics that we all know and love, by Grammy winner Stephen Schwartz. And you just know this includes the Oscar-winning duet, When You Believe. But no strangers to performing, these leading ladies have credits in shows including The Book of Mormon, Les Mis, The Lion King, Wicked, From Here to Eternity, Here Lies Love, Sweet Charity and Hamilton, to name but a few. They've also performed in some of the biggest venues in the world, including the Royal Abbott Hall and the Mall of Asia Arena. So here now, in this exclusive conversation and direct from a rather busy backstage at the Dominion Theatre for the Prince of Egypt, the pair joined together to discuss their initial reactions to hearing the news that the signature story and, of course, movie was to be adapted into a stage musical. Why Prince of Egypt is a show that truly lives up to its epic status and how the story relates to the real-world events of the last few months. Finding themselves in their respective characters which has also allowed them to bring those animation characters from the movie to life. Why they're very respectfully not trying to be Whitney Houston or Miss Mariah Carey when it comes to performing When You Believe, being part of one of, if not the, most diverse cast in the West End, and how this is being reflected in their audiences, both on stage and the people that work backstage, and why representation informs the individual about their limitless possibilities in life from any age, and why they hope that the West End will continue to promote every type of voice. Some of their experiences of why Miss Saigon and The King and I felt like one of the only shows seemingly available for their casting. And switching the narrative around women of colour playing roles including Eliza in My Fair Lady and Eponine in Les Mis. The impact and conversations brought on by making history as the first black woman to ever play Elphaba full-time in any worldwide production of Wicked. And what it's like being celebrated for your authenticity and awesomeness in shows like Hamilton and In the Heights. And finally, their open call to the West End to represent other minority voices, including transgender performers and those people that are disabled. So strap in as it's the remarkable talents, together, of Christine Aliado and Alexi Kadim, here now on this, the next episode of Eleven. 
the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Christine, Alexia and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Please help me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. It's two of the fiercest and instantly recognisable voices currently on a West End stage. It's the rather fabulous Alexia Kadim and Christina Aliado. Hi, ladies. Hi. Oh, it's so nice to hear both your voices. I'm so looking forward to this. And I should say that this is actually very exciting for me because not only do I get to talk to literally two of my favourite voices on the West End, but you're also doing this actually backstage from a real life theatre. Like you're actually allowed in theatres again. It's actually happening. Does it just feel amazing? Yes, we're so glad to be back. We're streaming live from Alexi Gadeen's dressing room. <laughs> um, it's gorgeous. I can tell you it's thick and span full of, you know, ginger drinks and delicious food. And yeah, we're so glad to be back. It's really exciting and it's nice kind of, I guess, being in a theatre and just the buzz of the theatre and audiences and just hearing that applause every night is just, uh, we've missed it Lexi's is super clean in a safe space is yours really messy Christine or is yours the same you know I've gotten better I think mine used to be because when we had opening night you know how you there's this tradition where you give people cards and presents yeah. and I think mine basically my cards and presents exploded in my room and it was filled with like shoes from opening night dress options from opening night but I think I've gotten it under control now. Yeah, it's not that messy. It's not as bad. It used to be really bad. <laughs> Almost feel like you've literally got like a second bedroom because like you live there obviously pretty much. So it's like, oh, do I have to sort of tidy my dressing room as well as my room? That sort of feels like you got the worst of both worlds. So true because you can't just hide it from the world. You know, people go in there and, you know, it's not just you. It's not just your little hole. It's it's kind of you know, your dresser stage management comes in producer comes in and I'm like don't look don't look it's messy <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely be messy so I'm totally with you sorry Lexi I try to keep it tidy she's very organized I try to because it just starts to make me itch because then I just think I can't find something and that makes me more wild <laughs> cool less about dressing rooms more about how amazing you both are in a show that I have actually had the privilege of seeing I saw it just before the lockdown and I'm obsessed like I absolutely adore the film so I was like already winning before we started but the Prince of Egypt on stage I mean before we talk about specifics it feels like the craziest but most brilliant idea in the world and I wondered was that your initial reaction when you heard it was going to happen well I think the movie I remember the movie when they first pitched it an animation for children about this story that's so you know obviously it's a biblical story but it's also very dark and I think when the movie came out it was like what the heck and it worked and I think similarly to this, it had to become a stage show, in my opinion, because it it's such a story that's, you know, that's like owned by so many different cultures, different faiths. And, you know, we try to represent it with respect and with integrity, but it didn't seem like a crazy idea to me. It felt like finally it's a stage show and oh my gosh, we get to be a part of it. That's how I felt. Yeah, it, it, it resonates with so many people. Um, so, so many people can relate to so many moments within the show. It's definitely one that you would call epic, (laughs) you know? And it's then got the amazing songs in it too, like When You Believe, Deliver Us, Heaven's Eyes. Those are the ones that people will know from um, the animation, but 
there are there's new material too which is really stunning so, you know i know you said you saw it before the lockdown i want to say most people who come back to see it they say it's a completely new show and i don't know if that's because of what we've gone through as like a collective or if people have just brought this sense of you know gratefulness and just everyone's just joyful and glad to be back but there's just different energy in the air and um i feel like the stakes are higher the story is even more poignant and even more important to tell especially with what's going on overseas in afghanistan it's just there's no better story to tell at this point in time and and you know if you saw it before the lockdown i urge you to come back because i think you'll find that it's got a different feel to it that kind of hit you in the heart even more than it did i think it's what's so interesting about you know we mentioned about the film and obviously it being iconic and us, us being aware and having loved the film but it feels like you guys really get the opportunity to make these characters your own but also take ownership of them in a way that feels authentic to you. And, and being an iconic piece on film and then transferring it to the stage, that feels exciting, but also a bit of a privilege. I guess, how did you go about not replicating what we'd seen before, but also making it feel authentic to yourselves? Personally, like, I, I was such a fan of the film. It was one of my favourites growing up. And I always thought it was Disney, but it isn't. And the character of Sephora was just, I don't I loved her. I actually really, really loved her. And so I, I was quite terrified to play her because it's kind of, I needed to honor how I felt about her, but also how everyone else felt about her in the sense of who she represents, like in, in a biblical story, but also in, in people's childhoods, that kind of thing. And I think with any kind of theater piece, you can only bring your essence to the character. And, you know, you have to trust that you were cast because you have a bit of that, whether that's, you know, her fire, her passion, but also her sense of empathy and the growth that she goes through in the story is kind of, I had to kind of go through and find that in myself and not really replicate it, but just kind of find her journey through my eyes kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, the animation is is the animation, but these are real life people. Um, and so that was important to make sure that we're um, interpreting that on stage and that we're not trying to be characters, you know, animated characters. Um, so we, we all did um, our research within the characters to kind of dig a little bit deeper and make them real and be able to bring out all those like all those layers that you kind of um maybe don't always get in like some animation you do I mean it's great you yeah. do but like it's to remember that they are real people so yeah oh my gosh I don't know if you can hear it but we have our Yochebet just vocalizing next door and it's really she's giving the deliver us like the big thing and I'm just trying to like what am I saying I'm just trying to stay tuned um to what you're saying no I, I can hear it. it it sounds cool don't worry <laughs> um, you know you're in the theater know. you know <laughs> show business Anybody that listens to Eleven will have heard an interview that I did with somebody that you guys know very well, and that is Mr. Stephen Schwartz, who, of course, wrote the beautiful music for this show. And one of the things that he spoke about very fondly was reimagining this story for the stage in a fresh way and getting the opportunity as a, you know, as a creative to be able to write new material. And for you getting to work with a music icon, I think it's pretty fair to say like him, and to get to create original work, things that people haven't sung before. I mean, it's kind of like a bit of a bucket list moment, I could imagine. Yeah, honestly, it was brilliant. Like he's 
an idol. Like he's incredible and he's paved the way for so many incredible stories to be told. And what was cool is when I, when, what personally when I was working with him, I just, you could tell how passionate he was about his work. And he wasn't just that kind of person who was like, you know, that that's, that's fine. Cause he's done so many things you'd expect that maybe someone is a little less kind of passionate maybe, but he was so attached to it. He was so specific to what he wanted. He had such a clear vision and he also shaped things around you. I remember he kind of wrote something for our Moses a little bit, like a little kind of pre-chorus to something to suit his voice. And, and he just kind of gave myself uh, free reign to find things that would work in my voice. So it's incredible because it's a great balance of he's got incredible integrity in his musicality and his storytelling, but he also trusts his actors to, to do their job as well. He is very giving at the same time as I've written this piece. He's um, very open to everyone's interpretation of once the music has been placed in front of them. Chrissy and I had the, the big thing of like Whitney and Mariah yeah. <laughs> to, to constantly think about we're not trying to be Whitney and Mariah. I did try for a while, but I <laughs> you know, like um, this is um, this is the stage version, yeah. and this is the Stephen Schwartz version, and this is Alexi and Chrissy's version. Exactly. So it's our interpretation of how how we hear it, how not just how Alexi hears it or Chrissy hears mm -hmm. it, but how Alexi as Miriam hears it, yes. and how Chrissy Sephora hears it. Yeah. So the pop song is the pop song, but funnily enough, in our show, I think it comes at a moment where you. You don't really expect it to come. It comes out of the blue, but it also comes exactly when you need it to come. And it just hits you like a ton of bricks, yeah. in my opinion. And it's it's not something, oh my God, the pop song. It's it's like, oh, we needed this. We needed hope. Yes. We needed this injection of faith and a miracle, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. that's stunning when it yeah. comes on. It's the, it's the relief um, through the journey that he's been through at that point that he needs. And it's, it's the message that everyone needs to hear at that point yeah. within the piece. I think you're completely right when you talk about ownership and about the fact that it's not trying to replicate or be, of course, like, yes, of course, When You Believe was made famous by Whitney and Mariah, but you are making your own version of it and sort of building on that. And I feel like ownership of the song for you as individuals, for Stephen's version for the stage, is perhaps why it's successful because it stands alone in this piece. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, and the storytelling of the song is impeccable. The, the lyrics are just beautiful. And, and then the Hebrew comes in and, and it's gone. Like your, your emotions run amok because it's, it's so, it rings so true. Yeah. And hence why we couldn't do it as a pop song, like as like the big riff, riffy song, because it, it had to be truthful mm -hmm. and had to be honest. And that's, that's one of the things at that point where it needs honesty, um, kind of like here I am, this is, you're bearing yourself at yeah. that point, you know, so it has to come from a place of honesty. Mm -hmm. I think one of the questions that surrounds theatre generally at the moment is just around safety. You know, am I going to feel safe going back to the theatre, both as an audience member as well as somebody that's on the stage. And I know there have been a quite a few unfortunate hurdles with getting you guys back on the stage, but now you're there and you're sort of within the world of performing, I guess. From your experiences, do you feel safe? Do you feel comfortable being in this environment? Theatres are safe and they are so thorough front of house. People get a time slot for when they should come, you know, um, to be escorted to their seats. And honestly, everyone's doing their part, you know, like we still ask audience members to wear masks not everyone is vaccinated and as much as we're entering into this new normal 
this virus is still here is unfortunately making people, you know, unwell. But our theatre is doing everything. And we don't, unfortunately, at the moment have like um, backstage guests or anything like that. Um, but it's for the safety of everyone. We know that everybody in this building has tested negative, you know, and we do it every day. And like I said, including our day off, because if somebody does test positive, we're able to then nip it in the bud at the beginning of it, as opposed to two, three days have passed. And then you take a test and you probably had it two days ago. So where and the producers have been phenomenal and everyone is so wanting to be here and everyone wants to look after each other as well. It's beyond kind of like, oh, I just want to be back at work. It's I want to be back at work and I want to be safe back at work. And we yeah. all want to look after each other and also want our audiences to know that they're safe too. So when we're walking down that aisle, <laughs> know that we are negative. Honey. Yeah. <laughs> is it amazing now to see those full audiences and to feel that magic, that thing that is literally... No, you can't replicate it anywhere but inside of that space that that you call home, which is a theatre. The love that the audience has been giving us is insane. Like it's making me like emotional right now because they stand up every day. Not not just that, you can see in their faces like that they just witnessed something that they needed to see. Whether that's because they're going through a tough time, or they just need to escape something, or they just needed to be reminded that things, good things, are possible. Like it's, it's moving every day. Like I, in the curtain call, I, I, I'm always so surprised and moved by how much the audience members want to give back to what they've just seen on that stage. It's honestly incredible. Yeah. I mean, like even when we were looking out initially, we were like, oh gosh, you know, social distance, what will that be like sort of thing? But it was quite surprising that we would look out and it just felt full still. Yeah. Um, and like Chrissy said, the reactions have been absolutely phenomenal. It's insane. Really, really amazing. Like, I'm one of those people who looks at Twitter and stuff sometimes. And it's been so positive. It's been so kind of grateful and just like everyone's always just saying, you know, how how lucky they feel to have seen the show and the cast and all that. And it's it's really nice because it just reinforces that you're doing good work. And, you know, obviously this is a job, but it's also a passion mm -hmm. and it makes you feel like it's all worth it. Like 15 months away was worth it because at least now we get to do what we love and, and move people at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious as to the why for things. I always try and ask myself if I'm ever sort of unsure as to what to do, you know, why would I want to do that? You know, both good and bad. And this, I always find it's quite a, quite a good way to level myself out. And I guess I wonder, Lexi, why you think, now is the right time for the Prince of Egypt and this story to be told. Oh, goodness. Look what we've been through. It's, and the thing is, nobody's been through this alone. So we all can understand it because we've all been it. The world has been through this together. Usually it's individual things, right? So some people usually can understand something and others can't because they've not really been through that. But we've all been through something that we never foresee at all. And now I think more than ever, it's the relief that we need. It's that we're in this together. It's that, you know, like our backs have been pushed against the wall, but you know what? Hang on in there. That belief, that, that, that faith that, you know, like that we can make it and that there is this light at the end of the tunnel. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we are the most diverse company on the West End. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have all different races, faces, cultures, continents represented on that stage. And it is remarkable. Like, what a time to be in this industry. It's, I love how theatre is pioneering the 
the, the fight for diversity and representation because it's powerful and our audiences are diverse. I've never been part of a show where I looked out at the audience and I see all colors under the sun. It's beautiful. And like for them to be represented on stage is so important and remarkable. And also shout out to our producers because they're making sure that backstage is the same, that diversity is reflected backstage. And, you know, it has to keep going. We have to keep improving. We have to have diverse, you know, um, backstage crew, wigs, makeup, lighting, automation. Representation is really important because it informs you, I think, from a very young age about what a possibility possibly could be. I know for me growing up, I didn't necessarily see it as much. And so it always remained, I think, something that only certain people could do or only a, a select could do that. So it was never really a reality. It's important seeing that because it just is for the new generation up and coming, you know, like there's so much talent pouring out of the UK. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like it goes amiss because they don't see the possibility of themselves, you know, and that, yeah, that needs to be reflected. And yeah. I, I like the direction that is going and we need to keep on keep doing going. the good work throughout the West End. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just for our company. This is something that I really hope to continue to see throughout the West End. I remember when I went to drama school just a few years ago, let's not count, <laughs> but I, I didn't even look at certain shows and certain material because I was like, I'm never going to play that in my life. I only looked at Miss Saigon, King and I, literally that, I think that's all I looked at. And that's not that long ago. And like, you know, recently I had an audition for My Fair Lady. I, was like, I would never have looked at this material in my life. And the fact that that's shifted in a few number of years is astounding to me. And it's so exciting for the new generation, as Lexi said, because the possibilities are endless. It doesn't matter yeah. what color your skin is, like how you look, how tall you are, short you are, whatever. If you can tell the story and tell it well, you should have an opportunity and a chance to to be on stage or on screen, whatever you want. Absolutely. It does definitely need to um, open up. And I hope that drama schools, not just um, theatre, also start to reflect that within their students, that they're not kind of boxing them into mm-hmm. the idea of, like Chrissy's saying, that you only learn this because yeah. that's what you're going to be seen for. I didn't go to drama school myself, but I still was informed, even though not being in drama school, that you know, like icing this kind of material. And even though I have played roles that go against, I guess, at the time, you know, like what you would see um, as a black girl playing, um, like Alphabet Eponine, you know, um, when I was asked to audition for those, like Chrissy, I was like, what? Yeah. Why? And that shouldn't be a thing for people of colour to be saying, why are you auditioning me? You paved the way, babe. Right. You paved the way. Well, you know, there's many, you know, as well, who have been, who's been doing the good fight. But that language, I think, I pray, will no longer be a thing at Mm. some point where it's just normal. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Lexi, do you still feel and have interactions with individuals around the impact of your casting in Wicked? Do you still have those conversations where people talk about their experience because of the visibility that you gave them? Yes, I do. And there's even people who are now in the West End um, who um, reached out to me last year, um, especially after the Black Lives Matter um, movement and said, seeing you in Wicked informed me that it was a possibility. You know, my journey through Wicked was a tough one. Like I've said this before, if someone were to ask me, would you do it again? I would do it again because it's informing people 
that you can do it. And it's not necessarily just one race that, you know, can do it because I mean, it's, it's a role and she, she's green. <laughs> That's a start. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's green. That's a start. You know, we, it's telling a story ultimately, you know, and, that's what we're here to do, tell stories, yeah. to transport an audience away from their everyday and their normal life and to, to live out that, whether it's a fantasy or something that was real life and brought to, to stage to see, a, to peek a bit into what their life once was, you know, like this is what we're doing. Only in like obviously things like hairspray where you would have that divide where it was that, you know, like that's okay, that's fine. We, we get that because that it's story. telling that story, yeah. you know, but we need to break this up and continue to break this up. But yes, it has, it has been very touching. Um, my tears were worth it <laughs> because it just means that other people are being able to live out their dreams. I'm not saying I'm the be all or end all for us, why they're living out their dreams. But if I was just a little bit of their journey to get to where they wanted to get to, then I feel blessed. Christina, I can imagine you had a similar experience being in shows like In the Heights and Hamilton as well. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like, it's funny when I went to drama school, because I, I, I was surrounded by Caucasian people. I even said to them, I was like, I forgot I looked the way I look yeah. because I just forgot. Like, and, and then they saw me as, as this, put me in a box. Um, but I refused to see that, I think, throughout my entire career. Like, it was just... I don't care that I'm Asian. I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to bring what I bring to the table, sing the thing, and you're going to want to cast me. That's how I've always, what I've led with. Um, and yeah, I've played kind of characters that are um, of an other ethnicity. I've never, I don't think I've ever played like something that's been traditionally Caucasian. Uh, and I've been part of, of kind of shows that have been, have broken boundaries, which is incredible. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've loved doing it. I've played the Latina. I've played like, I don't know what Mariah Reynolds is supposed to be, but whatever she is. Um, but yeah, I just, I think at the same time, yes, diversity is important and representation is important, but also excellence is important. You should still be the best that you can be, um, regardless of your, your skin tone or where you come from. You should still aim for excellence. As a queer person, I feel very hopeful about the possibility of the future I, and the fact that we're having these conversations the fact that others are being brought in feels like so often the battle that we just can't even have the conversation. And I wondered if you shared the same hope that I do. Yeah, totally. I mean, just as you were kind of just saying mess, sorry, I kind of my brain went on a little bit of a tangent. I'm so sorry. But even like with transgender actors and actresses, mm -hmm. like there's not enough representation. Not even. It's beyond, it's beyond races, it's disability. It's it's so many, it's like there's so much talented people yeah. in this country who just maybe have walked away from this industry, mm. which is painful because they didn't see themselves. Yeah. There's so many stories to be told. And there that's what's exciting is I think we're at the beginning of this journey. But it's, it takes it's taken so long to even just kind of break down this one wall. And it's not even fully broken down, but then you see kind of there are still so many walls to break down. And we just have to keep fighting that good fight. And like it's it's writing stories as well. Writing it has to start from the the writers and the creatives. They have to create the material that represents the people who don't, who aren't seen. Yes, but also that's, I think, letting through, or getting through, I should say, um, also other diverse writers, mm, directors, 100%. because that also gains perspective. Mm -hmm. And and, it, and it's, you know, because you come, we all come from different walks of life. And 
what all of our backgrounds bring something different to a piece or to a character yeah. or to the perception of the way that you would direct something or the way that you hear something and so you would write music or the way that you would write because of your experience like it the, all of those things just completely matter to be honest I think that is the next step I think you know people you see on stage and backstage are diverse I think the next step step is for the creatives the producers the the theater makers they need like diversity has to be injected into that kind of echelon and that's beyond my pay grade <laughs> I don't do nothing none of that all I do is like sing and wiggle on stage <laughs> so but you know, I can see that that needs to be the next step forward. Also, I feel like I need to correct you. It's not all you do. It's literally the best thing in the world that both of you do. So let's just absolutely stop you there. Now, I get to say a sentence that I've not been able to say in a significant amount of time. I'm going to take great pride in saying this. And that is that we're going to actually have to end the interview because you actually need to go and do an actual show. It's so, <laughs> so, so, so exciting. But just thank you so much for giving me your time today. Good luck with the show. I literally cannot wait to come see it. And just most importantly, keep killing it because I'm obsessed. So thank you. Well, thank you for thank having you us. so much, sweetheart. This Amazing. was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'll see you very, very soon. Bye, guys. Bye, bye, bye. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.